What's with all the backpedaling going on with the Big 12 and the Big 10 Conference Commissioners? Plus, our Week 7 picks. Welcome to another episode. What's better than one, John? Here's Johnny. Hmm, nobody really knows. That's why we put two of them together. This is Kanzano and Wilner, a.k.a. John and John. Welcome to another episode of the Kanzano and Wilner podcast. I'm John Kanzano. You can read me exclusively at johnkanzano.com. Grab a free subscription, a paid subscription, whatever works for you works for me. I am here with the great John Wilner of the Bay Area News Group. Wilner, how you doing? I am good, thanks. How are you? Doing well, man. Uh, you know, we got parent-teacher conferences this week, but before we get into that, tell people where they can find you. I, Boy, I feel for you. Uh, I know what that's like with the kids' <laughs> home. Um, so, Pac12Hotline.com, and we're available at media outlets across the Pac-12 footprint. And starting today, we should get into the picks for sure, some huge games, but... I think we should start with the off the field, ever present specter of realignment, right? Kevin Warren had some very interesting comments at Big Ten Basketball Media Day, right? Even at Basketball Media Day, you can't you can't escape realignment. He told the Sporting News, and he mentioned something similar to the Athletic earlier in the week, but he told the Sporting News, "quote Because of the landscape we live in, college athletics right now, you have to be mindful of potential conference realignment or expansion." But this is not something we're aggressively doing right now. Your thoughts? Uh, it sounds to me like they are backpedaling, uh, or at least he's backing off uh, all of that we're not done talk that came out of July. Like July was was this big grandstanding victory lap by Kevin Warren. And then, of course, Brett Yormark of the Big 12, who was throwing a lot of stuff out there. We'll get to him in a second. But it feels to me like the, the Big Ten Conference, one of two things happened. Either they evaluated the numbers and decided that Oregon, Washington, Stanford, further expansion just doesn't pencil out, or Kevin Warren took the temperature behind the scenes with his presidents and chancellors, and they told him, hey, we're we're getting out over our skis here. We've got new media partners. you got USC and UCLA coming into the conference, but this is a very different tone than what we saw from Kevin Warren in July. So it feels to me like the, the Big Ten Conference is going, hey, we're good for now. This this may be different, you know, four, five, six, seven years from now, but we're good for now when it comes to expansion. Yeah, and the money just doesn't work if you're going to keep all the Big Ten schools whole at, say, $70 million each, right? You're, if you add four from the West Coast, that's $280 million a year for seven years. I don't understand why NBC, Fox, and CBS would – would pay that money. They, they have what they want. That's the biggest thing. They've got Ohio State. They got Michigan. They got USC, right? And if you're NBC, you've also got Notre Dame. They don't need anything more. So why are they going to start spending all this extra money? And why would they allow ESPN to get in on the action, right? They've already boxed ESPN out of USC. It doesn't make sense that the for the media partners, and it doesn't make sense for the president's and the athletic directors that are looking at their budgets and they're thinking, why would we take less money to add these four schools? Right. I mean, especially Michigan, Ohio state, there, there's no way they're going to, they're going to do that. So I agree with you. I think Warren has, you know, things are settling. That's what strikes me about this whole process right now. It's, you know, it's been what three, three and a half months, things are settling down, right? You, you don't hear Brett, your talking about, 
you know, wanting to get a West Coast school. That hadn't happened in weeks. Now Warren is is kind of backing down. It's settling. I think we're going to go in here. It could be a couple of months. Pac-12 gets a deal done and we move forward. Brett Yormark, meanwhile, the Big 12 commissioner, he said this on the Maggie and Perloff show nationally this week. It's interesting. When I did Media Day, which was back in July, it was kind of my introduction to the conference, and I said we're open for business, people took it literally that it meant expansion because of what was going on at the moment. And for me, open for business means it's a blank canvas. We're exploring every and, every and all opportunity to build our brand, to build our business, and to geographically build our, our footprint. Um, expansion is something we're considering. Obviously, I love the four schools coming in in July. I think they make us stronger in every respect um, and, and just thrilled that they're going to be part of the Big 12 family. But if there's an opportunity for us to expand beyond that, which is additive and not dilute, dilute, dilutive, gets us into that fourth time zone for scheduling flexibility with our media partners, we're going to pursue it. Uh, that Does that mean we're going to go to expansion and, we, and we've been mandated that we have to expand? Absolutely not. I love the, the, the composition of our of our conference right now. We're going into eight states from five to eight. We're going to be in front of 75 million people. Uh, so it's a huge audience for us to engage with. But if expansion presents itself in the right ways, we'll pursue it. Very different tone from your mark as well. The whole open for business thing. Yeah, I get it. Semantics. Look, I'm an English literature major. I had a course in semantics. You can't teach me this stuff, Brett Yormark. Uh, it sounds to me, too, that he knows that the Pac-12 is holding together, that, that the, you know, the Four Corners universities were, were never that serious or interested at all, never had meetings with the Big 12. They are not leaving in this cycle. This is, the, this is stuff that we reported, Wilner, and we have talked about. Like, look, nobody knows what college football and college athletics is going to look like 20 years from now, 10 years from now. But I can tell you, I think in the next cycle, the Pac-12 is the Pac-12. The Big 10 is the Big 10 plus UCL and USC. The Big 12 is adding, uh, you know, the schools that they added in the last cycle. But this is going to be the status quo. So I think this week we saw Kevin Warren in the Big 10 backpedal a little bit and back off presidents and chancellors in the Big 10. They're, they're not interested in expanding and your mark is now trying to reframe his open for business comments, which, frankly, were ridiculous uh, when he made them because, you know, the, the Big 12 was not in a position to add schools when he was talking like that. No, that's true. And, he, you know, he hadn't even officially started at that point. It was in July. His first day on the job was August 1st. He comes in. But, you know, he's doing what his conference, his schools wanted him to do. Right. Because they are in in, in from a. Uh, legal position or contractual position, they're in a they're in a spot of weakness because the Pac-12 is able to talk hard numbers with its media partners right now. The Big 12 is not, and that is an advantage. Big 12's got some advantages over the Pac-12. The Pac-12 has some advantages over the Big 12. One of those is that the Pac-12 can talk hard numbers, and now that it's on the open market, it can talk hard numbers. With new partners, the Big 12 cannot. So Yormark comes in, his school, his conference is at a disadvantage, and he is trying to talk it up. And you know what? That's what he's paid to do. But clearly, uh, it's time to for for these guys to be walking things back because it, it just doesn't seem like the forces of realignment are still moving like they were over the summer. Yeah, and I, my dad told me a long time ago that it takes no brains at all to come up with a scenario that benefits only one party. 
Like, you could say, hey, the uh, Big 12 Conference should add schools or the Big 10 should add schools. It takes no brains to say something like that. Like, you know, the people who are out there crowing about these, you know, Oregon, Washington, the Four Corners, it takes no brains at all to just throw crap like that out there. What what takes what takes some smarts is figuring out, does it work? Does it pencil out? It, it doesn't. It doesn't pencil out, as you pointed out for Oregon and Washington to the Big Ten. There's about a $30 million a year gap in what Oregon and Washington are worth versus what the Big Ten uh, media rights deal is paying existing members. So you're not going to subsidize those schools. And it makes no sense for the four corner schools to leave the Pac-12 and make a lateral move to the Big 12 that, you know, just adds uncertainty to the landscape. Like, it, you know, it this, this Pac-10 or Pac-12 conference, whatever it's going to end up being, uh, I don't know if it's going to be Wildly successful. I don't know if it's going to be moderately successful, but I can tell you I think it's the 10 existing members plus whoever they add, and I do think they'll add at least one. And then, uh, you know, who knows what happens five, seven, ten years from now as the landscape probably readjusts again. You know what I'm hearing? And I don't know if this is going to come to fruition or not, but I've heard a lot of talk lately about the role of the Pac-12 networks in this whole thing and how the infrastructure that's already built in and they've got cutting edge technology is very appealing to the streamers, Amazon, maybe Apple. I wouldn't be surprised at all if if that plays a big, big role in whatever media rights contract the, the conference comes up with in the next few months. And, you know, the Pac-12 networks, whether it's the 36 games that are typically on the Pac-12 networks are on Amazon produced by the Pac-12 networks, or if it's a bigger package of games, maybe Amazon pays for the rights to some of the top tier games like Oregon, Washington. But I I think that the Pac-12 networks is going to play a huge role in this whole thing with the infrastructure that it has, right? Because Amazon, they're not producing, you know, they they're using NBC production for the Thursday night football, right? Uh, Apple, is using they're, they're not using their own production for for MLS games, right? So Amazon wants a third party, and that third party to produce Pac-12 games is probably going to be the Pac-12 networks. And I keep hearing people talking about that, and that makes it makes me think that that's really going to be a, a big piece of these negotiations. Yeah, even Apple with the MLB games that they carry, the MLB network is producing those games. So Apple and Amazon, while they have the distribution, they don't have the production side of things, and that's where the Pac-12 becomes especially valuable to them. And it makes sense now when you hear ESPN say we're hundreds of millions of dollars apart because I think Amazon and Apple are willing to pay more because they're they're not only getting the content, they're getting the production of the Pac-12 networks. So yes, keep an eye on that stuff. Wouldn't it be something if the Pac-12 networks so disparaged and so underperforming in so many ways over all these years ends up being kind of a lifeboat? He is the great John Canzano, johncanzano.com. I'm John Wilner, Pac12Hotline.com. We should probably uh, jump into the week week seven picks. Man, it's already week seven. Goodness gracious! Where do you want to start? Let's start. Let's go in chronological order. Let's start with Cal at Colorado, 11 a.m. Pacific time on the Pac12 networks. What do you see there? I see a new coach, uh, another new coach for Colorado. This in, interim, Mike Sanford's the interim coach here. After get, they got rid of Carl Durrell, that just the turnover in Boulder is immense. They did it at the right time, right, with the bye week, so they had extra time to prepare. Cal also extra time to prepare. I mean, I just don't – to me, Cal's not really built to to blow teams out, especially on the road. I, I think this is going to end up being closer than 
than any of the Colorado games to this point, uh, closer than 14 and a half. I think it could be, you know, Cal pulls it out in the fourth quarter is kind of what I expect. Yeah, I, I look at this one. It's 14 and a half points. I, I, I like the Bears on the road. And I wrote all, all today, you know, in my column about how home teams are faring well, especially against the spread. Like, there's ridiculous some numbers out there. By the way, Pac-12 teams have played 28 games this season with the home team favored by Vegas. The home teams have a 27-1 and record in those games. They win these games outright. The home favorites are winning games. They're also 21-7 and against the spread, which is ridiculous. 75% Ooh. win rate for home teams that are favored. But Cal's on the road in this one. I think it's an outlier, I, and I, I like Cal to win. I have it 28-20. I agree with you. I think the Bears win. I don't think they cover the 14-and-a-half, though. I think Colorado shows a little bit of life. Yeah, I mean, this is it for Colorado. The, a whole new start, you know, and they've got their, their freshman quarterback, Owen McCown. You know, he's had a couple of games now, a couple extra weeks of practice. I think that they're going to, you know, they're going to represent better than they have, certainly, uh, and give Cal a little bit of trouble. So it'll be interesting. The longer they're in the game, the more chance, you know, the the pressure turns to turns to Cal's side too. Uh, they the the Bears need to, you know, blow this thing open in the first half. Arizona at Washington, two thirty p.m. Pacific time, Pac twelve networks. I'll go first on this one. Uh, two teams that really like to throw the ball. Michael Penix Jr. at Washington, Jaden Delora at Arizona. Both teams over 300 yards average uh, per per pass game. But I'm going to go with, um, you know, the home favorite in this one. I like Washington to win this game. I don't think they've forgotten Jaden Delora planting the flag at midfield after the Apple Cup game, you know, when he was at Washington State. So I think Washington wins this one. But I don't love the spread here. 15 points, 14 and a half, depending on where you look. I think Washington wins the game, but I don't think they cover. I think it's 40 to 31 Huskies. Yeah, these are two bad defenses. Uh, and for Washington, it's crazy. Their secondary, which was the strength for all those years, or sometimes it was the best secondary in the conference, is now a weakness. And I think Arizona, Delora, he's going to be comfortable going in there. Uh, and Arizona's got, you know, other than SC, Arizona might have the best group of receivers in the whole conference. I think that th- this is going to be a ton of points. Uh, the total 72 and a half. I'll tell you what, I that's a big total, but I would not be surprised given these defenses if it's over 72 and a half. I also like Arizona to cover the number though. Uh just just back and forth, you yeah. know, tons of tons of big plays, tons of bad plays, turnovers, kind of a wild game. You know, kind of like we would we uh saw remember the UCLA Washington State game was like, I don't know, 60 362 or something. I think this game, both teams could be in the 50s wow. easily by the end. It's going to be crazy. Stanford's at Notre Dame, 4.30 p.m. Pacific time on NBC. Uh, Irish are a 17-point favorite playing at home. Uh, I think Notre Dame wins this game. I can't pick Stanford to win. I just haven't seen enough from Stanford. By the way, Stanford is last, dead last in the country with turnover margin. They are minus 11 now. Uh, I'm interested to see how Stanford bounces back after the Oregon State backbreaker last week, but I got it Notre Dame uh, 30 to 24. Yeah, I kind of like uh, Stanford to cover as well, right? I mean, they they have played in when they go to South Bend. They have there have been times where they have pl- kind of played up above what you'd expect, uh, and I, I think that of all the team, all the places to go after that crushing loss to Oregon State, 
you know, going to South Bend, that's, you're going to get motivated for that game uh, no matter what. So I'm kind of with you. I think Stanford's going to cover. Uh, don't think Stanford's going to win, but I, it could it could end up being close. Look, Notre Dame couldn't they couldn't you know put Cal away, they couldn't put BYU away. I don't know that they can cover seventeen against Stanford. USC's at Utah, five o'clock Pacific time on Fox. Utah's won eleven straight home games. Last team to win at Rice Eccles, the Trojans in twenty twenty. I have been thinking all week, you know, that Utah is going to be Utah, and SC is going to you know is going to come up short and part of because you watch SC play, they're a little bit sloppy, uh, especially on defense where they rely heavily on turnovers. But I kind of, I'm starting to think that SC kind of brings the hammer. And this is the week SC says, you know what? We are the team to beat. Uh, Utah is no longer uh, the cream of the conference and the Trojans, their defense is getting better. Uh, I, I kind of think SC is going to surprise everyone and win this game handily which I could end up regretting that that prediction, but but something just tells me we're going to see something we don't expect, and that would be a USC, a lopsided win for USC. That would be probably good for the conference, right, because it keeps USC in the college football playoff hunt, but I, I just think USC's flawed, and I want to see them on the road in a tough place to win, and what yeah. what is the home field advantage worth? Because I think if this game is at a neutral site, I would flip my pick, but I have Utah 35, USC 31, Pac-12 cannibalizing itself. Um, I, I just feel <laughs> like Utah's playing for a whole bunch. If they lose this game, it doesn't eliminate them from the conference championship. But if Utah loses this game, they would they would lose the head-to-head tiebreakers to two teams that would still be undefeated. It, it, it all but eliminates them from Vegas. So I think they're playing for too much. They're playing at home. I'll take the Utes, like I said at the beginning, the home favorites. Uh, farewell uh, when it comes to the Pac-12. Utah's a home favorite. Uh, that spread is down to minus three and a half, but I'll take Utah, and I think they barely cover, so we disagree on that one. Final game, a little bit of an elimination game. Washington State's at Oregon State, 6 p.m. Pac-12 networks. Man, I think it it could end up being the same thing that's happened for eight straight years, which is the the Cougars. You know, this is one of those – series where it's a there's a funky streak in in a series and who could explain Washington State winning eight in a row over Oregon State right I mean you could see you know Utah are one of the you know top programs having that kind of dominance over another program but the I think of these as fairly even and yet the Cougars have won eight in a row and I think that they're the better team right now partly because of Oregon State's quarterback issues but I just think Washington State's better their defense is going to keep Oregon State from from uh, making big plays, and it's going to be close, and the Cougars are going to find a way to win. I think the home field, again, I'm going with the theme. I started talking about the home field and and what it means and how home favorites are, 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 are winners in the Pac-12 conference. The trend is your friend. I'm going with Oregon State. Jonathan Smith told me he he – that Ben Goldbrunson is headed towards starting. I don't know what headed towards starting means. I think everybody's headed towards starting until they're not. But uh, Goldbrunson should be at quarterback. And, you know, Washington State's playing without uh, their starting running back. They're playing without Renard Bell, their starting slot receiver. Offensive tackle Grant Stevens is sitting out because he got flagged for targeting. He'll miss the first half. So I'll take the Beavers where they've been, they've been very good at home in the last, uh, you know, seven or ten games. I'll take the Beavers at home. Uh, I think it's uh, like something like 28-24. I'm going to go lower scoring. 
Uh, and again, let's go back to you know Oregon State at home, eight and one at home in their last nine, three and seven in their last ten on the road. They are a different team at home than they are on the road. I'll take the Beavers in a close game at home. And you were there for the SC game. That was the one, right? Eight out of yep. nine. Yep. The, the one they lost. And, and I'm sure that, you know, the atmosphere played a big role in that one. And it could too, right? Washington State has not played great on the road. Uh, 14 points against SC when they get 17 at Wisconsin. So, yeah, I mean, I think the the best bet to me on that one is the under, right? Total is 52 yes. and a half. I could see that one being first team to 20. Yeah, I think uh, it, it goes under, but... I just I like Oregon State at home. I think at Reeser Stadium they're a little different team. Uh, but you know what is the home field worth? I asked Jonathan Smith that this week. He he you know he you know I think it's worth the home field advantage in the Pac-12. I think it's worth somewhere between seven and ten points. Jack Coletto, the linebacker at Oregon State, says he thinks it's fourteen. Jonathan Smith said he thinks it's more than three. He kind of agreed with me, maybe seven, maybe ten, maybe eight points, something like that. What do you think the home field is worth in a typical Pac-12 game? I mean, to me, it depends. Is that typical game at Autzen when it's full, or is it at the Rose Bowl when there's <laughs> 35,000 people there, yeah. right? I mean, it does depend on the location, but I think you're right. At some of the places, it is worth, you know, uh, upwards seven, eight, nine points. There's no question about it. And both the impact it has on the home team with the energy, but also the impact that noise can have on the opponent in terms of, you know, calling their plays and communication issues. So it, to me, it just depends where you're talking about, but there's a lot of places where it, it's significant. Yeah. I think uh, we'll find out this week. Uh, again, I'm picking a bunch of home teams except Colorado. I can't bring myself to do it. Wilner, I think the big one we disagree on is USC and Utah. That's going to be a fantastic game. I can't wait to, uh, talk about it. Um, we got a big guest. I want to tease this just a little bit. We have a huge guest coming along next week. You're going to want to make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. And next week, we have a big interview with a national figure. Anything else we should tease there, Wilner? No, no, that's probably that's probably enough. That's probably enough. Yes. <laughs> these days, anything can happen. Anything can happen. All right, I appreciate everybody making this podcast part of their day. Make sure you subscribe, leave us some feedback, give us a rating. You can find me at johnconzano.com, John Wilner of the Bay Area News Group, pac12hotline.com, or on Twitter. You can find him at, at Wilner Hotline. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you, everybody.